0: Testing one two three. All right, all right. So we'll go ahead and get started here. Good morning again, and uh, and happy birthday to you, whether whether it's today or just you have a birthday. Just happy birthday to you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll uh, jump into Nehemiah chapter 10 here. So. um, Anyways, it's good to be here with you. It's been a uh, full week, uh, a little bit of a trying week for me personally. I'll, I'll share some of my woes with you, but uh, it's good to be here, good to be alive. The family's all alive as well. Um, and Anyways, we'll just pray. Let the kids know bow heads together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that uh, that you have made, a day that you have given us life. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, you just meet us here for for the message. Lord, I pray that you would you would speak. Lord, I pray you'd speak to each one of us. That you would use your word, you'd enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness here. I pray that your spirit would back the things that are are said here, the things that you want to testify to this morning. Um, God, we do thank you for the the birthdays that. Uh, uh, that you know, we're celebrating here this today and this week, and God, we just thank you that even the Scripture says that um, you remember the day we were born, Lord, um, and and we just thank you that that even you remember our birthdays and uh, rejoice in those. And anyways, we just turn this time over to you, I ask for your blessing, I ask for your grace in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, um, let's see here. Well. Uh, you know, just give you a little heads up of how, how my week had a few odds and ends that I was not expecting this week. Thought about a few personal trials. But um, some of you might have heard, my wife got strep throat this week. So um, that was caught of, we were not planning on that. Hadn't worked that into the schedule. But uh, basically uh, she has spent the last at least three days uh, in bed, in, in the most mostly just straight in bed. She made it up. She made some appearances at lunch and dinner a couple times. Um, but she's mostly been in bed today. I think she's rising from the dead and going to hopefully have a little better of a day. But it was a rough week. She just had told someone a while back, like, strep, you know, the difference between a sore throat and strep throat is like, strep throat is like the worst, absolute worst pain you will ever feel in your throat. And. And then she, you know, lived out that symptom earlier this week. And she was like, ah, it's so painful. But um, we had medicine and stuff for her. But the same day she got sick, little Justice got sick. And so he was throwing up. He had the throwing up fest there for a while. So... Um, you know, I drove Morgan to the doctor, and she's in pain. And Justice, we had him bring his little buckets, and he's throwing up while we're driving. And it was a, a full day for me, a full couple of days. So by God's grace... I'm alive, and Morgan's alive, and she's on the road to recovery, and Justice is alive. We celebrated with him this morning. He had his first um, poopy in a couple days there, so he actually had enough substance in his body to excrete some uh, waste product there. So anyways, uh, we celebrate the small things sometimes. Um, but anyways, like you needed to know that. But one of the things I was encouraged by, you know, I felt one of the verses that came to mind during the, this week was one in James 1 where it says, Consider it pure joy. Joy, my brothers. When you face trials of many kinds, it goes on to talk about how those trials grow your faith, your perseverance. Ultimately, they grow your character. And I was trying to consider it pure joy. I just felt like, you know, God might be refining me this week through all this. But in the midst of all this, I feel like God did some blessing of our church this week. Some of it you you might know, some you might not. Um uh, one of the things that I think he blessed and that's been really awesome was this last week we kind of had our uh, deadlines for our mission trips, for our support raising, for our visa applications. You know, you need more than just a passport to go into the uh, the country we're going into. And so we got our visa applications, we got our passports, we, we collected the checks, we looked at the donations that came in from the church. And by the time the dust settled, everyone who wanted to go on this mission trip is, is still going and there's provided for so um, praise God and um, praise God is very gracious to provide through some of your donations through um you know other folks who are not a part of our church family but I think God was just really gracious there and I got to kind of see some of the pieces coming together so that was encouraging um also the outreach tonight we had a, a fun outreach night Wednesday how many of you got to be a part of that yeah that was a great sign. There was a, a number of people that um, got to pray with people in our neighborhood, and some of them got to repeat visitors from last year, repeat customers uh, to pray for. Some got to pass out many tracts to people, gospel tracts left in their hand, and it was just an encouraging time. I I still uh, was encouraged by a Justice went out. That was before he got sick. It might have been his last stand before getting his stomach ailments, but uh, he... Um, he was out in the neighborhoods with me, and we knocked on, Abraham and Justice and I knocked on a, a few doors, about 10 before we got our first answer, and every time, Justice was responsible for carrying the tracks, and every time we got to a house, he'd go ring the doorbell, and then they didn't answer, he'd leave, and, and then he'd leave each time saying, I guess them don't get one of these then, and, and he just knew they were missing out on something good, and then we'd go on to the next one, and finally he got to start passing out a few, I was very excited, but I just love that attitude, you know, if we had that attitude on I guess they don't get to get one of these today you know I I imagine we might be uh, give out a few more uh, tracks or opportunities for people to hear about Christ you know but uh, I was blessed by his attitude Uh, but anyways it was a great outreach night I know the the restroom team probably met and discussed restrooms that night as well so that sounded good Um, the building project has continued to move along here so I think God has been blessing in that uh, regards as well I think the permit is closer than it's ever been to being released, you know. So hopefully we haven't gone backwards in anything. But the Lord willing, we'll we'll have a permit issued to start the work here soon. Some of you have been able to uh, have your teams make progress as well. I think Zach, uh, Zach might have got some help to pick up a lot of insulation yesterday. Is that right? A lot of good, cheap insulation. Pink insulation—it's just that's you know we'll work with pink, or that's where the painting team comes in handy. We change the colors if we need to. Um, but so we got a lot of insulation at a good price. We've got things, you know. It's just encouraging to hear from your different teams some of the things that God is moving forward here. So in the midst of some trials, God is blessing. Um, but anyways, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter ten this morning and just try to pull out some. Um, Some things we can apply to our lives today. And and then we'll get on, party on the rest of the Sunday here. So if you would, turn to Nehemiah chapter 10. And that is on page 482 of your house Bible. Page 482 of your house Bible. And last week we looked at Nehemiah chapter 9, just how the people went through some fasting and some wearing sackcloth and humbling themselves before God and confessing um, their sins and confessing God's greatness and worshiping Him through that. And But then that culminated in what we're going to look at today. They made some commitments in the wake of their repentance and in their worshiping of God. They made some commitments that we're going to look at today. And really we're going to try to look at the New Testament equivalent of some of these commitments here. And I have a handout for us this morning. I'll pass pass that out to you here in a second. But um, by the time we're done, I hope we uh, maybe have a clearer understanding of some of the commitments we do have or some of the commitments we need to get to. Um, But we're going to look at this chapter together. And we are going to skip all the way to verse uh, 28, if that is alright with you guys. Um, that is, um, is alright with me. There's a lot of names there, um, a lot of good names. God knows them. He knows how to pronounce them. He loves them. Uh, you know, you could always come away with that when you see a list of names. God knows your names. He loves you. He's got it in great detail. And um, He'll probably do better remembering those than I will or pronouncing them or whatever. But... We'll move on here. That's good. God loves us and He knows your name. Um, verse, <laughs> verse 28. Here. let's keep. We'll keep reading together here. And uh, how about if we get crazy again and stand up while we read this passage together just as they practiced a couple chapters ago in Nehemiah, just a way to show honor to God's Word that we stand when we're reading His Word. It's not mine. I didn't think it up, but I do want to honor it. And let's do that together here. Verse 28. Um, the rest of the people... Priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who were able to understand, all these now joined their brothers and nobles and bind themselves with a the curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord, our Lord. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. When neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year we will forego working the land and will cancel all, all debts. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the command to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God. For the bread set out on the table for regular grain offerings and burnt offerings. For the offerings on the Sabbath, new moon festivals and appointed feasts. For the holy offerings, for sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites and the people, have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of our God at set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We also assume the responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle and of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priest ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests the first of our ground meal, of our grain offering, um, offerings, of, all, of the fruit of all our trees, and our new wine and oil. We will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God, to to the storerooms of the treasury. The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and oil to the storerooms where articles for the sanctuary are kept and where the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the singers stay. We will not neglect the house of our God. Amen. All right, please grab a seat. We will not neglect the house of our God. Um, this morning, you know, I think the central theme of what we're going to look at, really is I have one point for you to come away with here that we're going to give you some handouts to help nail that point down, but... The point would be to make and keep God-honoring commitments. Make and keep God-honoring commitments. I'm going to go ahead and have these handouts passed out here. but. Um there, uh, let's see. Take one on this side, and we'll take one on this side. And I think there's some pens that are going to make their way around here as well. Now, these handouts you might notice have two copies on one page. That's because I believe repetition will help us all out here. Um, you fill them both out as you go, and you're going to be better off for it. Um, no, actually, what we're going to do is one of them is for you to keep, uh, maybe take notes on. The other one, actually, by the time we're done, please don't do it during the service, so I will call attention to you. But uh, we're going to break them in half, you're going to turn one in, and you're going to keep one for yourself. So that's why you have two copies on one page, and um, go ahead, and those will be coming to you here. So anyways, the theme of this is just really how they responded as they're reading God's Word, as they're learning more about Him and themselves, and they, they decided they wanted to make some commitments to God. And, and they wrote them down and they signed them. And um, the point that you have at the top of your handout here, you can write a couple verses related to it. We see an example here. They, they made these commitments. You know, last chapter ends by saying they're making a binding agreement. They're putting it in writing and affixing their seals to it. That's basically they're making some commitments to God, they're writing it down, and they're signing it. Signing it, personally signing that that's what they will do. And so, in some ways, we're going to follow that example here. But um, make and keep God-honoring commitments. You know, there's a verse, you can write this one down, just to start at the top of your page. Psalm seventy six eleven It says this. It says um, about... Commitments or vows or promises to God 76.11 it says Make vows to the Lord your God And fulfill them That all the neighboring lands Bring their gifts to the one to be feared But it starts by saying Make vows to the Lord your God And fulfill them you know, it is a biblical thing to make vows to God. Throughout the Old Testament and news, we, we see commitments being made to God. You know, um, you think about it in, in just everyday life. What happens when you love someone so much that you want to commit the rest of your life to being with them? What do you do? You make a vow. A marriage ceremony is just the exchange of vows before God and before witnesses. But it's a place you make vows to to show your love. Uh, you make vows in a loving relationship. You know, there's, you make a promise and then by God's grace you keep it. And, and that's a godly thing to do. It is a godly thing to make vows. You see it throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New um, some places, you know, I think uh, Andrew quoted from Acts 2 this morning, but he just talked about they were committed, they were devoted to, uh, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer, to the Apostle teaching. They were committed to those things. They had a commitment there. And maybe they didn't write down their commitment, but it was crystal clear that, that God had it written down, written down what they did. and. Through writing down our commitments, we can see what it is. We can aspire to it. We can improve on it. Um, but there's something about having, making a commitment that you can honor God with, and then keeping it is a whole nother thing. Jesus said this, um, you know, back in the Jesus days, they were kind of in the habit. It was a religious thing to make promises, and you made promises. You kind of you, you said something and you backed it with some sort of oath, some sort of like, you know, with God as my witness, I will keep this promise or By the gold on the altar of the temple I will keep this promise Or, you know Cross my fingers and hope to die I will keep this promise You know, they they were in the habit of doing that back then But Jesus said, hey By the way, when you're making a vow This is the advice He gave He said this in in Matthew 5.37 He says Simply let your yes be yes And your no be no And your no, no Anything else beyond this, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is uh, repeated in the New Testament. When you're making a promise, when you make a vow, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Another way you could say that, uh, something I was taught early on in my Christian life was, say what you mean and mean what you say. Don't mix words. Don't say, you know, if you know you're really gonna, trying to say no, but you don't want to make somebody feel bad, and you say, well, I'll do that if such and such and this and that, and maybe if the, and you throw all these words in there that you know to yourself, okay, I technically I can be released from this because I threw maybe in there, or possibly, or if it doesn't rain or something. But um, Jesus said, hey, when you're going to make a commitment, say yes, mean yes. And if you're saying no, mean no, and don't don't mix and match, don't throw extra words in there to, or you know, sometimes people will back it. They were swearing by God and these different things. He said, don't do that. Just mean what you say. Recently, I was talking to a guy. I thought it was an interesting example, but somehow we were talking about life, and uh, he was saying, you know. Uh, he was talking about some of the trouble he's gotten into before with drugs and alcohol, different things like that, but he he was telling me, um, you know, but I would never, 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 never do I drink and drive. Never. I, I may smoke pot, I may do this and that, but I never, 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 never drink and drive. You know what that said to me? He probably drinks and drives because what he said he had to back with never, 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 never. Uh, probably because he knew to himself, that's not true, but if I throw in enough, you know, uh, bells and whistles, maybe someone will believe me. We don't want to be like that. When you say yes, mean yes. You find yourself using technicalities to give yourself some leeway? room. Well, so make up your mind. Either mean it or don't mean it. But, but like Jesus said, let your yes mean yes, your no mean no. Mean what you say. Say what you mean. And, and we could all grow in that. And that's just uh, the heart of making and keeping God-honoring vows and commitments and promises. God is like that. You know, God, He could have just, you know, not given us any promises, but he, He's given us so many gracious, loving promises, and He's kept every one of them. He keeps every one of them. It is godly to make promises and to keep them. You know, you could say, hey, I just want to be faithful. I haven't made any promises, and I haven't let anybody down. Oh, good, but that's not like God. God could have said, Hey, look, I could do all these things for you, but I'm just not because I don't want to have to follow through. No, God has made many gracious, awesome promises and He keeps every one of them. That's a godly example for us to follow. So anyways, let's move on to the next one here. I'm just going to go through some examples that we see right here. We're going to check them off and hopefully we can do these six, um, six commitments in six minutes. No, that will not happen. That will not happen. No, that is not going to happen. Um, but we'll go as fast as we can. The first commitment to think about and it relates to, to what they're doing here in verse... Um, I kind of put the verse from Nehemiah 10 and then the New Testament maybe equivalent of that promise. The first one in verse 29 it just says they've, made a, they've bound themselves with this agreement with an oath, a curse and an oath to follow God's law to obey His commands and... You know, the thing to us, maybe the example to follow is, uh, have you ever made this commitment? I commit to obeying and following God and God's Word as best I understand it. I commit to following God and God's Word as best as I understand it. Have you made that commitment before? do you want to make that commitment today I encourage you to check yes if that is true if you don't mean that if you're kind of like well I know that's a Christian thing to do but there's a ton of verses in here I really do not want to apply once I step out of this room well then check no and maybe write some comments on the the bottom here and what we're going to do is one one this is to see where you're at in your commitment level to God another is for us as pastors we're going to look these over and, and go how can we help people step it up in their commitment how can we help people you know maybe They said, no, I don't want to do that because of some reason. Write your reason down. We'll pray for you. We'll probably follow up and and try to help you in these things. These are godly commitments to make. But um, a couple examples here. Um, You know, Jesus just said, this is a commitment to following God. Jesus said to his disciples, come, follow me. What is your response to that, yes or no? Jesus said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Yes or no. Um, and then, you know, Jesus was talking at one point here, John 8.31. He's talking to some who became believers. It said some of the Jews believed. But then he told these believers, he said, You're truly my disciples if you continue in my word. You're truly my disciples if you live out my word, obey my word. Um, and you'd have to make a decision if God's word is going to be an authority. You might say you're a believer, um, but there, you might clearly not be following God's word. And, and Jesus said, hey, look, hey, hey, believer, you believe in forgiveness for eternal life, do you want to be a follower? And if you are, that means obeying God's word. Um, and is that what you want to do? You know, And I say God and God's word, it's one of the core values in our churches, our association of churches says we are committed to obeying God and God's word. Why do we say both God and God's word? I'll explain to you to, to a couple of reasons why I think so. But um, one of the reasons is there's a lot of people in life, a lot of people who say, I follow God. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I follow Jesus. And then, on the other hand, you look at their life and compare it to the Scriptures, and you go, well, I don't know what Jesus you're following, but you're not following the Jesus of the Bible. I was struck by, um, I think Amy and Teresa were asked a question the other night. Was they were out in the neighborhood praying. And, and what did the lady ask you, Amy? Um, she asked if we take this book. Do you stifle the Holy Spirit? You know, at first glance, you going to go, Wow, of course I don't stifle the Holy Spirit. We're Spirit-filled, Spirit-led. You know what that really translates to the heart of the question is, Do you live by the Scriptures or do you stifle the Spirit? Because we know the Spirit is infinite and goes wherever the wind goes and you wouldn't be bound by the Scriptures, would you? You know, that's the heart of the question: Do I follow God, my God, who He puts it on my heart, I do whatever I feel like, or do I follow God and the Scriptures? But the Holy Spirit—you know—the Scriptures are often preceded by saying, "As the Holy Spirit says," and it quotes Scripture. But that's why you need to be committed to following God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, and obeying the Scriptures. Have you made that commitment? Check yes or no. Do you want to make that commitment today? Check yes or no. What that also means if you make that commitment is that then God has the... uh, Maybe you're giving God permission to give input into your life. If there's some area in your life where you go, you are not consistent with the Scriptures, uh, would you be open to hearing about it? Because if you're making this commitment, you really should be. And you know, what if God sent an angel to you and said, Hey... uh, You know, there's this verse here, you obey a lot of verses, you got a lot of good intentions, but you're really missing this one. How about you change? Would you receive that? I think most of us, if an angel came, we'd say, okay, I get it, I'll change. What if God sent someone else, someone like uh, a roommate, a friend, a spiritual leader, a spouse, and they said, you know, here's this area, you say you're following the Scriptures, maybe you could obey this verse. Would you be open to it? Well, you should be if you check this box here, that you want to obey God and obey God's Word. I encourage you to seriously think about that. Um, you know, If you're a believer, the real question is, are you a follower? Are you a believer and you're not following the Scriptures? You're really just a make-believer. Uh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> it's kind of a make-believe thing. No one else believes it, but I kind of do. Are you a believer or are you a follower of God and God's Word? Next one. Um, I commit to having Christ-centered relationships. You know, this just comes from one verse here. Verse 30, it just says, We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the people around us or take their daughters for our sons. What's the heart of that thing? Why did they say, why did God say, Hey, don't intermarry with other peoples of other cultures of other, you know, lands here? Why did He say that? Because He wanted to be mean, right? God is mean in the Old Testament. That's exactly what He wanted to do. He wanted to be mean. No, he knew that he is the one true God and these are God's people and anyone else who has any other God, they're wrong. And if you intermarry with them, they're going to cause you to not follow your God with wholehearted devotion. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God only he said, don't intermarry with these people because they've got other gods. They will distract you. Think of King Solomon, who we're going to read about in the one-year Bible here soon. But it said, you know, he followed God and then at the end of his life it just says, and then he intermarried with these women from other cultures and they led his heart astray from God. And that's exactly why God didn't want them to intermarry. Some of these people, you know, the people, a lot of times people say, well, why did God kick out all those people from the Promised Land? how mean? You know one of the sins that every nation of the seven that were kicked out of the promised land, you know what their culture had gotten to? Each one of their cultures, it was an acceptable practice to sacrifice your children to your God. To sacrifice your children to your God. That was acceptable. You know, God's word, God's thinking, it supersedes any cultural practices, but He kicked them out of there because their sin had gotten so depraved that they were killing their own sons and daughters. To worship their God, and he said, Don't intermingle with people like this. In the New Testament, we've got the verses there it says, Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. What does that mean? That means don't get married to someone who doesn't share your same faith. It maybe it makes sense, but sometimes it might be harder to apply than you think as pastors. Um, we do weddings. And it's very clear that you can have uh, someone who's not a follower of Christ, not a believer, get married to another person who's not a follower of Christ and not a believer. There's no conflict of interest. They both have something else in first place in their life. Two believers who put Christ first in their lives. They get married because Christ is first and Christ is first and they're going to follow Christ together. Where does the problem occur? The problem occurs when you have some other combination. Basically what it means somewhere, any other combination than a believer and a believer or an unbeliever and unbeliever means that some Christian is living a compromised life. And Scripture says, don't do that. Don't live compromised in your relationships. And there's many reasons why. I think of an example once that I was told about a, a woman that wanted to marry this guy and uh, she received counsel not to. This guy was not a Christian, but she was head over heels in love with him. And many in her life said, don't do it, don't do it. Scriptures say don't do it. And she ended up marrying this guy. And then eventually, uh, the, you know, the different value systems they had in their lives came to a, a head and they started having kids and she wanted to raise her kids in a, in a godly biblical fashion, which included spanking. And he did not want to, you know, raise their kids in a biblical fashion. And so um, it ended up happening that any time he found out she had spanked the, her kids, he beat her. And every time she wanted to discipline her kids, he beat her. And eventually, they had to go and pull her out of this broken and abusive relationship because she chose to be yoked to an unbeliever. And she paid for it. And that's an example, a real live example that I know another pastor at Faith Walker said shared that story before, because it was close to home. But God says don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Are you going to follow him or not? with Christ-centered relationships. You know, that's just with marriage. There. There's the other verse there, with other relationships with brothers and sisters and those that are older and those that are younger than you. Next one here is, um, I'll commit to honor Christ with my work and business practices. This comes from verse 31. It just says, When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we'll forego working the land and cancel all debts. There were some business practices that God had given His people. At first, I looked at, let's go, you know, this is about the Sabbath. But it's not about the Sabbath. It's about business practices. God said, hey, look, you work six days, do your work on six days, and one day, take a day off. That's what I want my people to do. And, well, any good businessman's going to make money six days a week. If I add a seven-day, there's sales and trades and things to be had. I increase my profit. I increase my revenue. And God said, don't. Uh, show that you're honoring me, setting a day apart for me. Uh, maybe even for rest or for spending time seeking God. But he told them, don't do that in your business. And for us, we go, okay, you know, is it a sin to have business on Sunday? Well, I don't think that's, you know, that's not, I don't see that in the New Testament. It does say, hey, if you want to honor a Sabbath, honor that. If you want to honor every day, honor every day. And don't judge people in between. You know, well, they take a day off. Oh, I can't believe those Old Testament, you know, stick in the mud. Or they never take a day off. You should be, you know. Um, no judgment, but the point here is you've got to have godly business practices. That's very clear in the New Testament. Um, a couple verses here. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Are your work ethics, are your business practices showing the glory of God? This one of Colossians just says, "Do When you work, work as you're working unto the Lord. You know, I think about tomorrow morning when you go to work. Think about it being, invite Jesus to work day. How is that going to go for you? Invite Jesus to work day. He comes and checks out whatever you see on your... Uh, on your computer screen all day long. He's there. He goes to your meetings with you. He sees how you interact with your boss. He sees how you interact with your co-workers when your boss is not around. What if you made tomorrow go to bring Jesus to work? How, how is that going to go? Is Jesus going to be honored to be there? Or is he going to be a little bit grieved, a little bit embarrassed about how a Christian is relating in the workplace? I commit to honor Christ with my work and my business practices. The next one here, I commit to grow in faithful attendance and selfless serving in my church. You know, this whole next section here just talk about how they, they brought things so that the service of the house of the Lord can go on. They pitched in. They had rotations. Hey, you're on the wood cutting rotation this month. Bring the wood so the fire keeps burning. Hey, you're supposed to bring in your, your first fruits, your different offerings. here. All of those were designed to keep the house of God from being in neglect and um, let's see here you know they, they talked about these contributions here you know I just want to I commit to faithful attendance yes or no for me I had to come to a cross I was kind of if I had a some line to describe my life I'll go to church whenever I don't have anything else going on or I'm not really tired ok check yes ok good wow what a commitment um, well, at some point I eventually came to I'm going to go to church on Sunday or some meeting that the church is putting on as a priority over other things and I know there was a deliberate choice I made to be committed to the meetings of my church when you know, when I was first sitting going in Fort Collins have you made that commitment or do other priorities are, or would they get in the way of you following through on this commitment maybe you've made a choice to be committed to your regular meetings Wednesdays and Sundays unless you know there's some, some reason why you can't go um, but then the next thing is Am I committed to growing and selfless serving in my church? Are you committed to selfless serving in your church or to growing in that? Uh, Think about it. Pray about it. God wants you to be. You know, I think about these guys who are bringing their offerings, bringing their crops. Back in those days, not everybody lived in Jerusalem. A lot of people lived a long, long ways away. And yet they had to sign up to bring the wood from, you know, another part of the land. And they didn't have modern day transportation like we had. They had to come a long ways to bring their crops and to bring different things in that would help support the house of God. Uh, and, and they did it and they were selfless in that but are you growing in selfless serving Because here's some options either you're growing in selfless serving you're growing stagnant in your serving maybe you've got some serving practices that you do and it's kind of natural it kind of comes easy I remember back when we were first getting started in Fort calls, we had a joke that basically said you know if it wasn't sacrificial it probably wasn't serving and you know that's not biblical but the point was you know if it doesn't cost you something it's, it's not a sacrifice uh, if you're serving and you just kind of work it into your routine, we can question if, if there's any spiritual growth represented there or not. So are you growing or have you grown stagnant? The other thing is, if you're not growing and selflessly serving those around you, who do you think you're serving? You're growing and being self-serving. If you're not growing and serving others around you, the only person left to serve is yourself. So either you're growing selflessly serving others, you're growing stagnant, or you're growing self-serving. The only other alternative is you've arrived, you've become like Jesus, you don't have any growth uh, ahead of you. Uh, I don't know, anyone made it there yet? No, not, not anyone here that I know, not me, um, for sure. But uh, anyways, yes or no, I commit to faithful attendance in my church and selfless growing and selfless-serving. Um, the next one here I commit to honor God with my giving we have two more to wrap up here and both of them kind of relate to um, specifically in this case to the house of God but in the New Testament terms it relates to we don't have a temple we don't have a building what we have are these structures that God has created called local churches they're gatherings of people that have functions that get carried out and assignments that have been given and and we work to Honor God that way, you know, to to have a place of worship. It doesn't require the temple in Jerusalem anymore. got to meet somewhere. We've met in uh, ballrooms. We've met in classrooms on campus. We've met at a church building before. We're going to be meeting in a warehouse. Um, But that's all kind of independent of what has to happen regardless of what location we are. And so, um, anyways, I'm going into giving here. Sorry. Sorry. Anyways, yes, I commit to honor God with my giving. No, I don't commit to honor God with my giving. Um, and on uh, any of these, again, if you have comments, questions, write them down. We'd love to talk with you more. But honoring God with your giving here, they talk about the first fruits. We talk about, anyone remember our memory verse for this week? We are going to do memory verses again. I do not bring any treats up here with me. But Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with all the fruit, all the uh, on the Lord's wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. There's a command and there's a promise there. But um, we see that. They're talking about the first fruits here. They would bring the first and the best of their le- stuff into the temple to provide for the workers there, to provide for the offerings, to pr- provide for the things that are going on there. You know, um, we don't have the temple, we don't have the same offerings, but we still have the same heart. Are you giving your first and best to God? Or does God get your leftovers? You know, I remember different times when I was working on my giving that uh, I'd look at my expenses, I'd pay off my expenses, my different things, and by the time I got down to the last thing that I was going to give to the church, uh, often it wasn't the amount I hoped it was when I started. Does God get your first and your best, or does He get your leftovers, your dregs? With your money, with your finances. How about your time? Do you give God your first and your best of your time, or does He get... You know, when you're tired and wiped out at the end of the day, boy, I'm really going to give you all i got, God. Which is not much. You know, my leftovers. I've heard it said before, you know, when's the best time to tune your instrument? Before the concert or afterwards? Well, I hope it would be before the concert. You go through a concert out of tune, it's going to be bad news. You get to the end of the concert, you go, you know, this is my favorite time to tune the instrument. Well, it probably work. You probably get it tuned, but it's probably gonna—the concert's probably not gonna be very good. But I think often we spend days like that where we go, you know, I'll get to you later, God. You're so gracious. I'll get my time with you later. Well, I encourage you to give your first and your best to God here. Um, tithes and offerings. You give a tithe, you give your offerings to God. You know, we've we looked at a promise in the past here in Malachi that just talked about bring in your tithes and your offerings. Uh, tithes you know, we've taught on this before. Really, we don't talk about money a lot in church. The last time we talked about it was about a year ago, I think, and we were actually teaching through the book of Malachi. And before that, I could not remember the last time we actually specifically taught on tithing. It's not like we try to avoid it, but we just try to talk on it when it shows up in scriptures here but they brought in their tithes and their offerings and a tithe you know is another word that it literally means a tenth honor God with a tenth all that we have everything that you have uh, God has given us a hundred percent of it and so if we were to honor God you know for you know how much he gave us we'd have to give it all back if we honor God for what he's worth a hundred percent of what we have is still way short of what we would honor him with he just said hey give me a tenth Show me that you know where it comes from. Show me that you're willing to give a bit of it. A tenth. is enough to where it hurts, but it doesn't hurt that bad. A tenth. we notice it when you start deducting it out of places, but it doesn't hurt that bad. But God says, honor me with the tithe. And then there's so many promises of His blessing when you give and when we give a tithe here. Uh, we give of our first fruits. Matthew twenty three twenty three. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, tithing Old Testament. New Testament doesn't talk about it. Well, Jesus talks about it. Matthew twenty three twenty three. Real quick, we'll look there. Um, some of you might know that. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was correcting them. He was throwing off on them on a bunch of things. But he actually, in that list of things, he went off on them. He actually had one thing he said, keep doing that. Don't do that, you liars! Don't do that, you you hypocrites! Don't do that, you cheats! Don't do that, but keep doing that. And don't do that, and don't do that. You know, he just went through this list here. But verse twenty-three it just says, "Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees! You hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, um, but you've neglected more important matters matters of the law: justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former." You know, it was a way of saying, hey, you, you did right to tithe. Now be loving, be merciful, be gracious to people, be forgiving, be just. Um, but he, you know, he honored the fact that they were to give a tithe, to honor God with a tithe. Um, you know, let's see, Corinthians just talks about as well. It talked about how they, once Corinthians 8 just talked about how they gave first to the Lord as a tithe. And then Paul says, you gave first to the Lord and then you gave yourselves to us. You gave to the Lord. You know, it was given a tithe in their local church setting, but then they were giving beyond that to help the needs in Jerusalem, to help missionaries um, like Paul was. At different times, he was actually supported by other churches. But there's a tithe, and then there's offerings beyond that. And New Testament is clear. that That's the type of giving we should have. And then the last one, it just ends up our memory verse for next week, has to do with giving. um, The Lord loves a cheerful giver, not with reluctance, not because you have to, uh, or compulsion. But God loves a cheerful giver. Give cheerfully. Give voluntarily. When you make a choice to give, you know, you can do that. It's an act of love. If you have to give, you're compelled to give, or um, you can do that robotically without love. But, you know, Mary, when she took her offering and broke it at Jesus' feet, it wasn't because she felt like she had to. It wasn't like afterwards she's gone, Oh, man, maybe I should have saved half the perfume. She did whatever she did voluntarily as an act of love. Give that same way. And then lastly, give in faith. A lot of promises uh, to give are backed with blessing. You know, a lot of commands to give have promises God will bless you. The real question comes down to, do you believe that? Are you giving because you know it's the right thing to do? Or are you giving in faith? Because God wants to bless your faith. Um, uh, Let's see here, last part. You know, again, a lot of things talked about supporting the the Levites and the the work that had to go on. Just the last couple of New Testament ideas, I think, related to the church, not as a structure, but as it relates to people, is I commit to follow, support, and protect my pastors and church leadership according to the New Testament teaching. Um, Are you following your church leadership? Are you supporting them? Are you protecting them? A verse listed. As some of you know, the verse from Hebrews, it just says... um, Let's see. Honor. does it? know? Obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they live as one who will give account for you. It goes on to say to do it so that their work is a joy, not a burden, because that would be of no benefit to you. Are you supporting and following your God-given leadership? Um, and you know, maybe you are. Maybe it's just nice to verbalize it. Maybe to see it in writing. Um, are you protecting? You know, the verse here in Timothy says, hey, don't even entertain people talking bad about your leaders. Don't even entertain it. You know, sometimes they go, oh, tell me more. Oh, they do that. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's bad. Um, don't even entertain it. God wants you to protect your pastors, your church leadership. I put in here specifically, according to New Testament teaching. You know, because some, some of you could say, well, I can't check yes to following them because what if they sin? Well, the New Testament. Had a, you know had the thought about that. At some in this passage here at the very end, it says, hey, by the way, and if your elders are continuing, if they're stuck in some sort of sin, they need to be rebuked publicly for this. If they're embezzling or they're immoral relationships or something, you need to correct that in front of the whole church. So you can commit to following your God given leadership according to the New Testament, because that means what if they lead us into sin? You know, that's a common question. What if my spouse leads me into sin, or what if the church leaders lead me into sin? Well, the New Testament talks about that. You don't have to blindly follow them into drinking the purple Kool Aid that's passed out. You know, at some strange meeting, Um, but. Do you make that commitment? Are you going to make a commitment to follow and support? You know, sometimes uh, are you a contributor when it comes to the work of the church? We have different teams and things going on. It said they they brought their contributions. Are you contributing to to what goes on in the health and the life of the church? Are you coasting? Maybe you're there, but you're just kind of there. Or maybe even worse, are you kind of... um, I don't know, it's another C word. I was trying to think about contributing, coasting, or... Something that's getting in the way. I lost my other C word. But um, the idea is, uh, you know, I think Joy Whitney sometimes shares an analogy. I haven't heard it in person before. I've heard others share it. But the idea of a a covered wagon that's being, it's going kind of pioneering on the frontiers of the West and they're going through crossing rivers and different things like that. But she kind of asks, from what I've heard the idea of are you helping the wagon get where it's trying to go are you out pushing when it's stuck are you help, Are you giving your effort and your sweat and your blood to keep the wagon moving are you on the wagon for a free ride or are you on the wagon you know I think sometimes going well I'll help out as long as I get the reins give me the reins and I'll be cool with you no are you pushing are you doing what's needed because God has placed some people with some assignments in this church family some of those assignments are to lead and some of those are to follow and support. Are you contributing? Or are you, you um, coasting? Or are you complaining? That was my other C word. You're complaining about those who are supposed to be leading. You know, I'm not doing it or I'm going, I'm there. But now if they did it my way, this will work so much better. You know, when it comes to things like that, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat when it comes to New Testament, you know, different things we're doing. But God has given responsibility to some leaders on how that cat gets skinned. If it's not sin, there might be a lot of ways to skin it. Well, you might pluck it or you might scalp it. I don't know. But um, the point is, God has given responsibility to certain people to get that done. Are you supporting them? Are you helping them? Are you complaining about them, dragging your feet? I encourage you to check yes here if if that's a commitment you want to make. I commit to follow, support, and protect my pastors and church leadership according to New Testament teaching. So anyways, um, we're going to close right there, but if you um, would... Maybe uh, pick one of these sheets that you want to keep and pick one that you want to turn in. But I encourage you to check the boxes and sign it and turn it in. And we'd like to just help you see where you're at. Help us as a church know where we're at. And um, trust that God will just continue to help us to honor Him and all our commitments here. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray. Feel free to sign those, fill them out, turn them in, and we'll be on our way here. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the example that you've given us of those you recorded in the book of Nehemiah. Lord, we thank you for the leaders and for the the Levites and the priests and the leaders of families and, and just all the people making commitments that they wanted to honor you with. Lord God, I pray you'd help us be men and women who make commitments and keep them for your honor. God, I pray that you'd help us to follow through on these things we're checking here. Help us to live there by your word. Help us to have Christ-centered relationships. Help us to have uh, business and work practices that honor you. Help us to grow in our commitment and our serving in our church. God, help us to honor you with our giving. And help us to follow, support, protect the leadership you've given us in this church family. Lord, we just ask for your help in all of this. We want to do these things because we love you. We want to obey you. We want to bless you. We want to advance your kingdom. We pray all these things together in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. Well, if you guys would take a moment before you wander out, tear those and uh, either pass them in, or I guess go ahead and pass them in if you don't mind. We'll um, we'll get those and collect them and, and look them over. But. Um, Hope you guys have a great day. And I think Wednesday night, watch for announcements. It might be a little different for Wednesday night lights. I hear it could be some Wednesday night bachelor party and Wednesday night female lights or something like that. Now, we might have women do another activity, decide to outreach on their own um, or hang out or party at home or something. We'll watch for announcements related to this Wednesday night. But anyway.